Last week we talked about how Jesus is our healer. This week we're talking about how he is our provider. And um, we're going to be looking at how Jesus miraculously feeds the masses here, a couple of different accounts. Um, In all four Gospels, you see the record of him feeding the 5,000 men plus the wives and the children, which would put that crowd total to be around 20,000. And then in the book of Matthew and Mark, you see him feeding again another crowd of 4,000 men, or the wives and children included would be about 16,000 people. And um, I want you to, just for a moment, imagine being um, at um, a football game, like a, a state championship game. Okay, that might be a couple thousand people in attendance at a high school championship game. And then multiply that by more and more people. Um, basically, fill up Wells Fargo. That's how many people we're going to be feeding. Uh, so it's just a massive amount of people, and you see God uh, work miraculously through this. Before we get into the Word, I want to pray together, asking the Lord uh, to bless this time in His Word. So would you please pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. You speak to us through your word. You guide us. You lead us. You instruct us through your word. Your word is anointed. It is inspired. Uh, It's infallible. And as we lean into your word, I pray that you would speak powerfully into our hearts and lives. May our hearts be ready to receive and respond. We thank you for this time. Please also bless our children's ministry as they're getting in the word right now. Bless their time as well, Lord. Please grow us, guide us, and lead us by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. So Mark chapter 6, starting here in verse 31, you see the first account of Jesus feeding the masses. Verse 31 says that Jesus told his disciples, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. And he said this because there were so many people coming and going that Jesus and his apostles didn't even have time to eat. So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone, but many people recognized them and saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. And Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Well, late in the afternoon, his disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place, and it's already getting late. So send the crowds away so they can go to the nearby farms and villages and buy something to eat. But Jesus said, You feed them. 20,000 people. You feed them. They go, With what? We'd have to work for months to earn enough money to buy food for all these people. Jesus says, how much bread do you have? Go and find out. Well, they came back and reported, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of 50 or 100. And Jesus took the five loaves and two fish, looked up toward heaven and blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so that they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. They all ate as much as they wanted. And afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. 
a total of 5,000 men and then and their families were fed. As we continue on here with this story in Mark 6, eventually as they leave, um, there's the story and the account of Jesus walking on the water. And then in Mark 7, uh, that chapter ends with Jesus healing a deaf man who also had a speech issue. And the crowds continued to grow. They were drawn to Jesus and what was happening. So if you go to Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 1, you'll see this second account where Jesus feeds a huge crowd of people on such a small amount of food. Verse 1, it says, About this time another large crowd had gathered, and the people ran out of food again. And Jesus called his disciples and told them, I feel sorry for these people. They have been here with me for three days, and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way, for some of them have come a long distance. And then here in verse 4, here's a question. It says, His disciples replied, How are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? What a question. What just happened? He fed a crowd that was bigger than this crowd. And here they're going, how are we going to pull this off? Well, Jesus must have compassion on them too because then he begins to ask some of the same questions. Well, how much bread do you have? Well, they go, we have seven loaves, they replied. So Jesus told all the people to sit down on the ground. Then he took the loaves of bread. He thanked God for them and broke them into pieces. And he gave them to his disciples who distributed the bread to the crowd A few small fish were found too, so Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted, and afterward the disciples picked up seven large basketfuls of leftover food. There were about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. Immediately after this, he got into a boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of Dalmanutha. Now, meanwhile, while Jesus was there, the Pharisees had come to question and test Jesus, and they were wanting a sign from heaven from Jesus, and Jesus told them, no, I'm not giving you one. And then they crossed back to the other side, and in that encounter with the Pharisees, Jesus speaks to his disciples using this illustration of bread and leaven. Verse 14, the Bible says that the disciples had forgotten to bring any food for this journey. They had only one loaf of bread with them in the boat, and as they're crossing the lake, Jesus warned them, watch out, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and of Herod. Well, at this they began to argue with each other because they hadn't brought any bread. Well, Jesus knew what they were saying, so he said, Why are you arguing about not having any bread? Don't you know or even understand yet? Are your hearts too hard to take it in? You have eyes. Can't you see? You have ears. Can't you hear? Don't you remember anything at all? When I fed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread, how many baskets of leftovers did you pick up afterwards? And they said, Twelve. And then he goes, and when I fed the 4,000 with seven loaves, how many large baskets of leftovers did you pick? And they said, seven. 
And then he finishes with this. Don't you understand yet? Don't you understand yet? When Jesus spoke to the disciples about leaven, he was referring to influence. And particularly in the case with the Pharisees and with Herod, this was an evil influence. And he was telling them to be careful of that influence in their lives. And the disciples aren't exactly picking up what Jesus is saying. They're actually caught up in the physical matters and the fact that they only have a loaf of bread and they're going across this body of water. They're totally missing Jesus' point. And on top of that, they're forgetting the miracles of provision that they have witnessed with their own eyes and with their own hands. Forgetting what God has done. You and I, we can forget about the ways in which God has provided for us along our faith journeys. And I just want to take a moment to let us lean into this for a second and and be people who uh, maybe have a habit of writing things down so that we can remember what God has done for us. It's good to, to speak of these things often as a family or as you're sharing your testimony, it's good to share those things as you're reminded of God's faithfulness in your life. It's good to be reminded of God's provision. Now, I'm thankful for God's grace even when we miss the mark. The disciples were missing the mark here. And this grace flows from a compassion that Jesus has for people. And you see that here in both passages, in Mark 6 and in Mark 8. And he has compassion on the people. In our verse uh, for this week, it says, when Jesus landed and he saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. No wonder they're wandering around and they don't know up from down and Jesus has compassion on them. And in this verse, you can tell that his concern for them is a spiritual concern. But you see also his compassion in chapter 8, verse 2. And his compassion was simply, if I don't feed these people, they're struggling. They're going to go home and they're going to faint because they haven't had any food. So he also cares for people's physical needs. God has compassion for us. One of the first areas of need in our life is spiritual. And God cares for our spiritual life, and he also cares for our physical needs. About 12 years ago, when I was doing ministry in Minnesota, I was doing it on a very, very, very tight budget. And there were many times in prayer where I would be asking God for his provision, and if he doesn't show up, I don't know how this is going to happen. And after living that way for several months, it just kind of got exhausting. You know, you'd see him show up. That was really cool. But then it just felt like I continued to just walk this very tight rope of the spending. And I I can't uh, go into all of those details with the amount of time we have, but um, the budget was very tight. And I remember there was uh, one day I was going to church, and I was just kind of frustrated with my financial circumstances. And I'm just kind of going in, and I, I, I will confess to you, I feel like I had a bit of a bad attitude about it. 
Well, that day the pastor's message was in the book of Mark, and it was about God feeding the crowd and drew out the questions that Jesus was asking his disciples and saying, you feed them. And they go, how are we going to do this? We, we, we're going to have to take eight months' wages to feed this crowd. And, and the disciples were looking at things kind of in the natural. Meanwhile, Jesus is looking at things in the supernatural. Well, I'm sitting there, and I'm, I've got conviction going on because I feel like I walked into that service with a bad attitude, and I'm forgetting for the fact that God is my provider. And he promises to provide for his sheep. And that pastor that day actually pulled a verse from John chapter 6, which is a parallel passage to when Jesus feeds the 5,000. And I want to draw this out for us today. But Jesus saw the huge crowd of people coming to look for him and turning to Philip he asked him, where can we buy bread to feed all of these people? Do you think Jesus knew how he was going to handle that situation? So why is he asking Philip? He was testing him. In verse 6, it flat out says that. Because he already knew what he was going to do. And when we sat on these very verses that day for me, I just thought, you know what? I've got a bad attitude. And I feel like maybe the Lord is doing something in me, helping me to grow and to learn His provision. Those were some of the toughest years for me financially, but I learned so much that built a foundation of biblical stewardship. And in the midst of that, I learned that God provides for our need. I want to emphasize some passages here that talk about God's provision, and I hope that they're an encouragement to you. This first one is from Ephesians 1.18. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which God has called you to, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. When I said one of your greatest needs is spiritual. And God has an inheritance for those that are called in to the fold. As you respond to the gospel and God saves your life, an incredible riches is now available to you. Take that a step further in Matthew 6, 33. Jesus is speaking and he tells people as he's talking about not worrying about your needs day in and day out. And he says, here's the answer. Seek first the kingdom of God and live righteously and God will give you everything that you need. God will give you everything that you need. But we seek first the kingdom and we seek his righteousness, and God will provide. Philippians 4.19, 
My God shall supply all of your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. It doesn't say that God's going to provide for our needs um, while supplies last. It says that He will provide according to our needs, according to His riches in glory. Psalm 50, verse 10 says that every beast of the forest belongs to the Lord, including the cattle on a thousand hill. And then here in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So I want you to hear this very clearly. God provides for our needs and God blesses us so that we can then be a blessing to others in need. Not to hoard it and build our own kingdom, but to use the resources to advance His kingdom. I think it's interesting, I want to draw out the different sizes of the baskets that Jesus is referring to. With the feeding of the 5,000, they collected 12 baskets. In the feeding of the 4,000, they collected 7 baskets, but these baskets were different sizes. There's even a different word used in the Greek when baskets is mentioned. And the first basket would be like the size of one, like a little lunch pail almost. And you could bring that with you wherever you go. And we filled up 12 of those in the first account. The second basket would be a big enough basket that you could hide a person inside of that basket. And we filled up seven of those in the second account. It's like we've got even more leftovers the second time around. It's almost as if God is showing off here. I mean, he could have had just the right amount and the same small baskets, but on the second occasion, he's showing, I have even more left over. And it says that everyone, was, everyone ate and they were satisfied. There's a certain holiday coming where people like to eat. Thanksgiving, right? And the spread is laid out and everybody partakes in that and then you're full. You've ate and you were satisfied. With that picture in mind, you got all these leftovers that you eat on for days. God provided more than enough. There was an abundance of food. His provision keeps growing and growing and it even leads to a provision that's greater because Jesus says that he's the bread of life and just as he broke this bread and gave it to the crowd of 20,000 he broke this bread and gave it to the crowd of 16,000 Jesus's body will be broken to provide for all of our needs first spiritual but he also cares about our physical needs. And that provision is all found in Christ. So as we walk through this message today and these passages and we emphasize that God is our provider, 
my question to all of us as we respond today is be encouraged by the fact that you have a provider in God Almighty. He provides. Is there a need that is on your heart right now that you need God to provide? I want to encourage you to reach out to the provider. He provides for all of our needs. The greatest provision begins in a right relationship with the provider. And that only comes through realizing that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you call out to Jesus to save you from your sin. Then once you're in the family of God and you're in the kingdom of God, there's a promise that God will provide for your every need. Not your every want, but your every need. And so we are encouraged by the truth of what God says He will do. And don't forget about the ways in which He's provided for you in the past. Maybe think of those things in your mind right now, and if you're walking through something, just say, I know He's been faithful before, and He will continue to be faithful, because that's who God is. He is faithful. Would you pray with me as we close? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the scriptures and these accounts of how you miraculously fed thousands of people on just a few small pieces of food. And Lord, in your provision, you can take the smallest of things and do incredible, incredible things. So we bring those to you right now. If there's a need that's on our heart, we just ask, Lord, that you would provide for these things. It's possible that there's someone listening right now and they reflect on their own life and and they think about their own relationship to you. And perhaps that's strained or perhaps they've never put their faith and trust in you for the forgiveness of their sin. Well, I want to invite that individual to lean in to the one who can redeem them. That is Jesus Christ. And if you desire to receive him into your life today, I want to encourage you to pray with me right now and say, Jesus, I need you. Today I'm asking for forgiveness of my sin. Please forgive me. I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of that sin. And I'm asking you to be my Savior and my Lord. I'm looking to you for provision. And I'm trusting that you will guide and lead my life from this day forward. Thank you for touching my life. Lord, as we close in this time of reflection, may we be encouraged and reminded that you are our provider. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.